Well, first, uh, a thought for the younger ones. And I'm thinking today about addresses, right? So if I were in, to invite you to come to my house, right? You would probably want to know my address. And it starts with, uh, and we learned this early on, right? What town do I live in? Do I live in San Francisco? No. So if you didn't know what town I lived in, it might be hard to find my house. But if you knew that I lived in South San Francisco, it would be a little easier. But if you didn't know my street, you'd be driving around South San Francisco a long time before you found me. So if you knew that my street was Park Way, that would help. But even if you could find Park Way, you would still have to look and see which house is mine. And there are several blocks that you would have to go on Park Way. But if you knew that my number was 548 on Park Way in South San Francisco, you could walk right up to my house and ring the doorbell. So addresses can be important. Email addresses can be important too. So I don't know if you all have an email address, but uh, the people that have it, boy, you can type in on the computer their email address and wherever they are in the world, they can pick up your message, your email to them. So addresses are important. And now I think sometimes we forget how important the addresses of the Bible are. Because like today, we have this wonderful passage from the Gospel of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's like a favorite Bible passage for most people. And if they want to read it again, they know exactly where to turn in their Bible. Because sometimes Bibles can be complicated, right? If you want to look for something, where do you start? In the beginning, in the end, or in the middle? If you know the name of the book, then it's helpful because there are 66 different books of the Bible. So if you know that this passage, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which is one of our favorite passages, if you know that it's from the Gospel of John, then you right away go to Gospel of John. But then, if you look closely, you see all these little numbers, kind of like addresses. And so if you know the chapter that this passage is from, it's kind of like the name of the street, then you know which chapter to look at, and those are the larger numbers. So it's John chapter three. So then you look in chapter three and you still have a whole chapter to read. But if you know that the verse number is 16, you go right to that verse. 
So John chapter 3, verse 16, and sometimes we don't say chapter and verse, we just say John 3, 16, and we go right to it, and we can read it whenever we want. And it's a favorite verse, because sometimes when things are difficult in our life, or we think that God isn't listening to our prayers or answering to our prayers, um, it's just a nice passage that Jesus helps us remember that God really does love us and that God cares for us deeply and that God didn't send Jesus in the world to shake a finger at us whenever we do something wrong, but to embrace us in God's love. So that's my message for today. I kind of like the idea that we have addresses in the Bible. And as you get older and you're reading the Bible more, what fun it would be if you could actually keep an address book of your favorite verses and chapters and stories. And then whenever you want to read them, you just know where to find them. So this is our prayer for the day. Dear Jesus, thank you for sharing us, sharing with us this wonderful message that God loves us dearly. And help us remember to find your address and addresses of all these wonderful sayings in the Bible whenever we need to remember that we are loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. John 3.16. So now for the older ones among us, Karl Barth, uh, the eminent Swiss theologian, used to say that Christians should read their Bible in one hand and their daily newspaper in the other. So... Here we go. Bible in one hand, and I have to admit, I don't read newspapers anymore. So the closest I can come to is the Week magazine or the computer in front of me. That's where I get most of my news. So this is an interesting way to think about the world and God's message for the world. And in one hand, in the Bible hand, right, we have the message for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. In my other hand, I've got the Week magazine, and the headlines for this week included this. There was a concern over Brazil's uncontrolled COVID-19 outbreak and the more contagious strain that it spawned, thus posing a threat to the entire world. There are political dissidents being killed in Myanmar. 
The jury selection continues in Minneapolis for the trial of Derek Chauvin, accused of third-degree murder in the death of George Floyd. There's an increase in hate crimes uh, against Asians and transgender people, and they fear now for their safety. Almost 100 people were injured in Mexico City where women rioted, demanding an end to Mexico's epidemic of violence against women. It's an interesting world that we live in and an interesting time to be in it. And this is the world that God loves, that God has loved, and that God will always love. We need to take in the full force of that promise against the backdrop of what each day's newspaper or news feed reports to us. It is the marvel and miracle of the everlasting God of love that we and our world are loved in spite of the many ways that we grieve the heart of God. But it is not some other world of which the Gospel of John speaks in John 3, 16. It is this one. Furthermore, God so loved the world. The adverb so needs attention. It's such a short word that it sometimes is overlooked. But grammarians teach us that this is an adverb of kind, not of degree. So it means we can translate our verse more accurately when we say, God so loved the world in this way that. The little word alerts us to the supreme importance and uniqueness of the love which God has for us all. And it's not just a love that is quantitatively greater than our own love, such as God loves us more than we could ever love, although that is true. But it's God loves us in this way that God gave Jesus to us. The loving and giving of that which is dearest and closest to God. That is the love that Jesus reveals to us in this verse. As you may have learned before, this unique love, which is of God, is expressed in the language of the New Testament with a unique word as well. Agape is the distinctive term which points to the self-giving, sacrificial love, which is at the very essence or the very heart of God. God does not wait until the world is acceptable or righteous or appreciative or worthy of God's love. God's, God loves our world even when we are yet in our sins. The book of 1 John tells us, in this love, 
not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and gave Jesus as an expiation for our sins. And Romans tells us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 Corinthians says, there is nothing this divine love cannot face. There is no limit to its faith, its hope, its endurance. This love that Jesus is speaking about comes to our world through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus himself. And here we are today at the midpoint of our Lenten journey. Now, historically, the church has called this Sunday Laetare. It's a word that means rejoice, because this is a day when we can pause to remember what our Lenten journey is really about. It's not about our sacrifices or the things that we've given up for Lent or even the things that we do to inspect ourselves and try to change our behaviors and ways. This is all about God's love for us. And this day is sometimes a refreshment Sunday, a respite from the rigors of penitence. In some churches, the color of the day is changed to rose to reflect this change. The lining on my chasuble is rose to remind us that in the midst of our penitence, which is purple, there is some rejoicing and some hope. In certain parts of the world, this is a day to share fruitcake and other refreshments as kind of a break in our Lenten fast. In the gloomy way leading toward the passion of Christ, the gospel reading for today bids us to pause long enough to put the cross in proper perspective. God so loved the world, loved it in this way, that God gave us Jesus who came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. If our sense of religion is dominated by moralizing or scolding and scrambling for a few penitential brownie points, John the Evangelist then tells us why we're really here. We are here because we are loved by the one who has never lost sight of us, who has never forgotten us, even when we find ourselves the furthest we can be from God. And so our Lenten journey means that we are on the way to the cross, not because of what we have done, but because of what God has done for us. The cross is a reminder that God came among us, stood beside us, endured suffering for us, and died for us on our behalf so that we might have healing and wholeness and life. 
Now that is love. The cross is not separated from God's love either. On our journey in life, there will still be times when we'll make mistakes, when we'll use poor judgment, when we'll ignore those around us who have need, where we live more self-centeredly than we might or should or ought. There will be times for examination, for repenting, for changing, for healing. In fact, our Lenten journey is really our lifelong journey, moving us closer and closer to the cross and to the one who loves us. But as we go there, take these words along. This giving of Jesus to us was not for condemnation, but so that we would know that God loves us. And Jesus beckons us on, not to destroy us or to shame us, but to invite us to join him in his message of love and forgiveness and healing and hope, not just for us, but for the whole world, as difficult and challenging as the world can be. And that is where God's love needs to live in the world. So many people are discouraged by the loveless, brutal events of our day. Many are weary of pandemic, of destruction, of disease, and impending death. Jonathan Schell, in his book, The Fate of the Earth, said, Love not born of self or fear is different from self-love, which gives us the instinct for survival. Rather, love can act in behalf of future generations. Love is a spiritual energy that the human heart can pit against the physical energy released from the heart of the matter. Love can create, cherish, and safeguard what extinction would, ex would destroy and turn to nothingness. It is at home that love begins to take root and grow in our relationship with those near and dear to us. It moves from our home into our congregation, into our workplace, into our neighborhoods, and then into the world, a world so eager for the healing and hope that God's love can bring. Love is the power that infiltrates the most resistant barriers. If we truly hear what God is saying to us today, that God loves us dearly, we can take and share that love and the message that it provides of hope and bring it to the world that God gave God's only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen.